So, uh, scrap the Patreon. Oh. No more t-shirts. Wait a second. I've come up with a way for us to monetize the podcast. Well, now I'm interested. What's this? Vaccines. Oh. Well, so, luckily, Pete Hunt... Well, what kind of vaccines? Whatever you got. Okay. What do you need to get a vaccine for? Okay. Because Pete Harding, West New York watchman and local shithead... Yeah. ...was handing out at the corner of uh, Hurdle in Delaware cards yesterday, last night. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday... And this was on Saturday. Learn the risk before you vaccinate. Mm-hmm. Do you know what is in vaccines that are not as safe or effective as you are led to believe? Here's the vaccine ingredients. Aborted fetal, t- fetal tissue. Wow. Human and animal DNA fragments. Pig blood. Aluminum. Or aluminum for our English listeners. Mercury. Lead. Cadmium. Glyphosate, formaldehyde, MSG, monkey and dog kidney, mm. calf serum, sheep and horse blood, rabbit brain, cow heart, antibiotics, and this is when they ran out of uh, commas, so they couldn't use commas anymore, geese proteins, acetone, animal viruses, and more. Man. I can't believe it has MSG in it. Well, that's what makes the vaccines delicious. Isn't there? Isn't there a cocktail at Empty Pockets with all the, that stuff in there? Yeah, it's, it's called the Franklinville Special. Oh, that's, no kidding. Um, the no. good thing about them listing the ingredients like they did was that unlike like most of the blogs I read, they didn't wait to like tell me their life story before they gave me the ingredients <laughs> for my recipe. My boyfriend loves this vaccine recipe, so we will. We're going to create a bathtub vaccine, right? Yeah, for COVID. So, like, you could say, like, like, where did you get your vaccine? And some people say Moderna. Yeah. Some people are going to say Pfizer. Some people right. say Johnson and Johnson. Mm-hmm. You, you can say snake. The snake vaccine. The old snake vaccine. Now, the going rate for fake vaccine cards just for one person is four hundred dollars. Can no, you believe that? No joke. A fake vaccine card. Four hundred dollars. Listen, we'll, we'll cut that in half easily. Easily, and we we could be bargained down, maybe to uh, you know, like a third, and we'll give you an actual vaccine. Yeah, right, well, it's a, a bathtub vaccine. It's a bathtub vaccine, but it'll be a vaccine, right? It may, there might be more basil you, in it than you're used to. You're going to be exposed to, to to some germs, okay? Right. So it's gonna it's gonna give you immunity to something. Yeah. Well, you're gonna get immune to something. <laughs> Right. Will it protect you from COVID? No. Will it protect you from the flu? Well, it no. might. We'll find someone with COVID to cough into it. But I will. But I will tell you what it will protect you for uh, from. Yes. It will protect you from not being rad. But, hey, yes. did you hear me at any point when I listed our ingredients? Microchips? You won't get microchips. No, there'll be. It's microchip free. Yeah. And as a as a nerd, you you've got my guarantee on that one. Right. No. No microchips. No chips. No chips. Or, no, or macro chips. Or five G. Or Lay's potato chips. No, 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 no definitely no, no chips. Well, we'll give you Lay's potato chips. No, nothing from Frito Lay. Oh, nothing. Right. We're 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 don't a cross, wise we'll, we'll give you, we'll, Don't yeah. cross that picket line. We'll give you Uts Uts potato chips if you. Yeah, want. Uts is good. If you want to get not vaccinated, but you want to go do things, call us. Boy, do we have the vaccine for you. And welcome back to the Square Podcast, the purveyors of uh, bathtub vaccines and more. This week we have 
Jim. That's me, as always. Ryan, a.k.a. Snake. Yeah, you got it. Re, that's me. And, of course, our very special returning guest, uh, Rusty Russell Weaver. Your, your true first name is Rusty. Russell is for... The plebs. Do you have a punch card system yet? Because I, I feel like I'm doing a free sub or something. <laughs> I, I, oh, we'll get you a free sub. I, I got. I get. I'm mailing you a coffee. Yeah, if you make it here, I'll make you. I'll make you pulled pork or something. Trust me. You, you do it enough times, you get a shirt. Yes. Oh, you're due for a shirt. I like that. You're due for a shirt. I wear clothes. All right. You're definitely gonna get a free vaccine if you want it, and you know. Right. You got to prime the pump a little bit. Right. No, we have Rusty with us this week. Uh, we've got a lot. A lot of news going on because the news never stops happening and we never stop being here for it. So let's get down to business. We have a mayor's race or so I'm told that's still happening. It's still happening. It's not going away. Much like Benghazi. It ain't going away at least until November. And, um, you know, we've talked uh, the there's there's the the roller coaster ride of emotions and uh, you know what's a roller coaster without some some bumps in it guys all right that makes the whole thing that much more enjoyable so as we sit here openly in the tank for uh, mayoral hopeful India Walton we have uh, maybe some bumps Rusty what would you say about this Emerson uh, WIVB poll that came out that has Mayor Brown up uh, fifty to forty percent. Uh, 50% for Mayor Brown versus 40% for India Walton. Yeah, I mean, Emerson, they, they generally do, I mean, pretty good polls. So if you look at their state level and national grades, um, you know, 538 puts uh, up the grades for all the pollsters. They have an A minus, so they're not terrible. But one of the things that they've been dinged for in the past is that a large portion of their sample comes from calling people via landmine. Um, and this isn't the type of election, well, I mean, it is. You're, you're going to have some... Uh, some landline voters probably coming in and, and playing a role in the election for sure. Um, but if you look at the primary, so much of the energy that was was in the primary and the momentum, a lot of the voters, um, you know, younger voters really came out in, in large numbers. And those younger voters definitely swung toward India Walton. Um, and so that Emerson poll, two thirds of the voters that were surveyed were over 35. Um, and a lot of them were probably called via landline. So you have this demographic that was um, against sort of India Walton um, before, you know, during the primary. And now those are pr primarily the folks that, that have been part of this survey. So I wouldn't um, I wouldn't say look at that poll and, uh, you know, start running for cover. But there, there are, you know, definite tales to be told there. So even my own sort of internal modeling um, puts the race at kind of a coin flip right now, because unlike the primary, you're going to have people who are registered Republicans and conservatives coming out. And I guarantee you, none of them are going to be really going in and, and pulling the lever for India. So you know, th there are risks involved. But that poll, I'd say, um, if you're part of the campaign, just take it with a grain of salt. Um, I'm sure they're doing their own internal polling. So um, the numbers are, are definitely skewed by who participated in it. So what I'm hearing from you is we should just burn Emerson College to the ground. Just fuck them. Right? <laughs> just well, just you know, kerosene and some you matches. Hear that here, but <laughs> that's uh, one so takeaway. And, and, and some of the big things that came out of that too, like one of the top line findings on it was uh, that Mayor Brown is winning. Uh, you know, voters who identify as Hispanic or Latinx, something like seventy-five to twenty-two percent. 
87 people who identified that way participated in the poll, um, and 60 some, you know, out of, of those individuals were over the age of 35. More than half of them didn't even vote in the primary. So again, you know, taking those big numbers and, and actually unpacking them and looking at what's under the hood, there's reason for skepticism in some of those results. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I understand why they would use landline polling because look, yes, it does skew older when you're talking about who uses like landline phones in 2021. And yet, and yet those people do very much vote. And it yeah. is it is worth tracking who like among the population of that that skews older how they vote because again, historically like we see throughout this country time and again, older voters do come out and vote at a, at a quite uh, quite a high clip. So it is worth tracking. But I think you're right, Rusty. It's the methodology is a little bit weird. I, I wish that there was more. I don't know. I, 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 I again, that's their methodology so you i guess you're getting what you're getting but at the same yeah, they, time they try to split it 50 50 and call i, I think they they you know, set their target at something like twenty thousand landline phones and twenty thousand cell phones or sms uh you know text messages but they don't give you a breakdown of, of what they actually got and so if you look at the demographics of the poll um they probably got more of a response on those landlines and yeah i mean those folks are probably they're going to come out to vote and they they did even in the primary and I tried to do some analysis of of that primary data, um, you know, earlier on, and you know that showed that uh, the biggest demographic that was represented in the electorate for the primary were baby boomers, and they skewed heavily, heavily toward brown. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're going to see that. And you know, now that there's um, this big threat, you know, this uh, individual who isn't running away from a, a label of, of socialist, you know, now that there's this perceived threats that you're, you're going to see those people coming to the poll. But what's even even more interesting in that is, you know, some of the other questions that Emerson asked as part of that poll. One, and this is another news item I know you'll probably get to, um, but it asked people um, whether or not, number one, they had favorable or unfavorable views of socialism, you know, very much to the negative on that when you looked at the, the group of respondents. Um, but another question, you know, soon thereafter is, do you think that taxpayers in Buffalo should pay for the Bills stadium? And more than half of, of people said yes, right? So there's this uh, you know, big disconnect between, yeah, let's use public dollars to uh, subsidize billionaires, but socialism, bad. Well, it, you, you mentioned that, and you know, as I mentioned uh, on last week and, and previous weeks, I, I, I now work for a member of the state assembly. I work for someone in Pat Burke. And we've been getting our annual constituent surveys in, and I get a lot of surveys that are like, socialism bad, lower taxes, give me free health care. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, just the, the disconnect here is, and like, and that's not including like, one of the questions on it was like, you, do you think that state, increased state funding for education is important, very important or not important? And it's like 90% important or very important. So like everybody's like increase state funding for education, give me free health care, lower my taxes well, and and get away from socialism. And so to that point, that's another way that you can really read this Emerson poll too. The top issue um, among the people that were surveyed was crime and uh, the BPD had a big favorable. So they had a net favorable among the voters and um, the plurality of people who responded said that the BPD, BPD funding should be increased. Now, I'm not here to, to argue against any of those points, but that shows you that these are you know, sort of law and order voters that um, you know, want lower taxes, but they want more spending on, on public services. 
Yeah, it's always funny to me, just, just as an aside on that. Like, it's always funny to me, these people who have, like, these very meticulously laid out political ideologies in their mind, just because people in general are so... It's just like this chaos of political beliefs. There's no, like you, you try to parse together what kind of ideology is amongst these people, you know, oh, well, we, we, we love the bills and we want to see the bills be funded, but we don't want the government to give a bunch of money for, for ah. and um, it's just, it's just incredible that we're also guided by like just these competing beliefs and, and feelings, you know, really, it's just like a whole bunch of feelings. People are feeling the feelings, the, so the feeling that the folks in this poll are having is they don't like socialism. So India Walton is bad. But I, I would say that it is a lot of times for most people, if you ask them a question, they give their immediate emotional response and not their thoughts. So what happens is they're like, oh yeah, no drug test people who get welfare. And they're like, well, what do you think about like free health care? And they're like, oh, yeah, free health care. Oh, well, okay, what do you think about like if we had better public transit? Oh, we should have better public transit. And what if we raise taxes? Oh, don't raise taxes. It's it's just like this, like they're doing the, the stereotypical psychologist uh, experiment where you like you say a word and just say the first word that pops into your head. <laughs> and that's what happens when you're talking to the average taxpayer. Man, I would love to have data over time of these people responding in these polls by the way how they felt about byron brown even a year ago six months ago right like well, yeah uh -huh. uh, yeah that, that, that's a great point because i mean it's ironic if, if you look at uh where brown's stronghold right now it, it's south buffalo right south buffalo in the past however many elections just went so far to try to unelect him to try to get him out of office and now that's his uh, his stronghold in the city. <clears throat> well, we, we're going to talk about, like, if you go through South Buffalo now, I go through South Buffalo at least one or two days a week, and there are so many Byron Brown signs in South Buffalo. And so many of those yards that have Byron Brown signs also have John Garcia signs. <laughs> they are not dyed-in-the-wool, bleeding-heart liberals who are like, Byron Brown is our guy. They are conservatives who are like, well... Don't want a socialist, yeah. Because I don't want any Walton. Also, I'm afraid of all Democrats, except for Byron Brown, because I know he's in the Why bag I? for for uh, uh, developers. Yeah, that's the story that they're spinning right now with the population growth and everything too. Is that Byron Brown knows how to develop the city? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a great point. So. There was a it was an op ed in the Buffalo News about and we'll we'll talk about the population growth thing in, in a second, but yeah, you're right that they were spinning it that it was uh, the result of like the Buffalo billions and that you know that all of the good work that Byron Brown has done has made this more appealing for for the immigrant population, which is absolutely ridiculous. But before we pivot to that, just one one thing I want to comment. Uh, We'll talk about more fun stuff with the mayor's race here. But one thing I did want to comment on, I don't know if the local Democratic Party here understands the ramifications of letting like if, if Byron Brown does win this race of loosening their grip on the city of Buffalo, like as, as an organization, I mean, as a political organization. they've already loosened their grip. It's whether they're willing to let go. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing is like if India Walton wins or loses, she has built 
an actual political organization now. If she wins, she is right now trying to play nice with ECDC and other elected officials and other candidates for office throughout the county. And if she wins, ECDC has some influence over the city. If she loses, Byron, who is long not giving a shit about ECDC, and India, who then would have no reason to give a shit about ECDC, lead the two factions of the city, and ECDC is just, you know, sniffing around for crumbs. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... Again, this is a little bit of the uh, how the sausage gets made part of it, but we do have power brokers who are vying for influence in the city of Buffalo. Byron Brown has long made his own political organization that has played nice with ECDC to a certain extent, but hasn't relied on ECDC or Jeremy Zellner in any meaningful way. Uh, but to be completely independent of that, like... To cut, to cut that tie off completely, because I think that's what Byron Brown would do, unless yeah. he had any use for them. In layman's terms, what you guys are saying, that the Zelnuts are going stale on the shelves. Zelnuts are going stale. Very stale. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, especially because, so, again, sausage being made. Endorsements come from committees. Committees are, you run in a primary race. If nobody opposes you, you automatically become the committee person. If there's an opposition, then there's a primary election for committee. Next year is a committee year. Every two years is a committee year. Next year is a committee year. Whether she wins the mayor's race or not, India Walton is declaring war on the city committee. And there are going to be committee races all over the city of Buffalo, especially in districts that she won handily, like Niagara and Delaware. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one outcome. But I want you to consider the flip side of this, okay? Byron Brown has been rejected by Democratic primary voters in Buffalo. He lost the primary, whether or not, you know, whatever you want to prescribe that to, how that happened, it doesn't matter. He lost that primary. If he comes in and wins in November, look, his political clout within the Democratic Party seems to be exhausted, especially with Andrew Cuomo uh, having resigned, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But his major political ally, Andrew Cuomo, is gone. Have you guys thought about Byron Brown becoming like a Republican superstar, like tra- transitioning into being, hey, I'm the guy that beats socialism in. Bu- I beat back socialism, turning into like a Fox News guy. He's a very opportunistic man, Byron Brown. He, he is. He's a little too old. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think he. I think he very well could turn this into like I'm going to become a, a Fox News guy, Republican guy. I mean. Chris Grant hopes so. Big dog. Arf, 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 arf. The opportunities, that, this, that's all I'm saying, man. It's just like, you have to consider if, if Byron Brown wins this race, then we have to deal with like a wannabe Republican. It could actually just turn Republican. And then how much more time does he want to be mayor? Like he wins this race. He probably doesn't actually want to be mayor of Buffalo too much longer. I don't think he wants to be mayor anymore. I, I, I think if he wanted to be mayor, he would have ran a real race. He doesn't want. He just doesn't want to lose. Right. He doesn't want to be embarrassed. This is this is all like him reacting to the embarrassment of losing a primary. Well, he's got to have some motivation to do this, right? Other than that, no. That's that. I think that's it. I think. So that's, then, why didn't he just like hang it up? Because there's money to be made. Because here. he was embarrassed. Well, he's embarrassed. But look, man, I'm telling you, there is a I lane mean, before the primary. Because he's an incel, and oh. that's why he's embarrassed now. <laughs> okay. okay. 
He does have a kid. He's not. He's definitely not an incel. He is. He is. <laughs> he's a beta male. He had motivation to run at least one more term. We'll see. Maybe to get the record for longest running mayor. I, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, it's whatever. He's beta. Whatever. Well, we're not the only ones having the big debate about uh, the you know the mayoral race here. Right. As as Rusty R. Holland outpost can attest to, because he's always listening to Griselda. Yeah, we. Oh, wow. Benny Benny the Butcher versus Conway. Conway the Machine. Conway the or, Machine. Or, or as the mayor called him, Conway the Rapper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, Benny the Butcher uh, of Griselda came out. Yeah. Uh, that's to Conway the Rapper. Right, right. Ben, Benny the Butcher came out and, and officially uh, endorsed India Walton. The, the actual quote was, in, uh, women named India are, are different. Right. He's all in with India. He's all in with India, whereas Conway, the machine. Write it down, Byron Brown. Yep. Yep. Jeez. So we're just waiting for West Side Gun to come out with his to break the tie. Although I hear there's a third candidate, another rogue write-in candidate, and maybe that's where West Side Gun is. is he's with the, like, blank, void, and scattering amount of votes. That it would go with uh, a third candidate right now. I just I just hope this race doesn't divide the Griselda, Griselda dudes. I I like their music all too much. I hope you know they keep doing what they're doing. I, I love their music, but if like if, if there's a Wikipedia article in like five years about the Griselda Civil War <laughs> over the 2021 Buffalo mayoral election, I'm here for it. I can't wait. <laughs> if it's like War of the Roses, oh yeah, let, let's not let politics divide us. Yes. Um, only other thing, oh, India, India's people are hitting the doors more. I, I saw that. I mentioned some of that last week. They're out there more. Um, her volunteer staff are certainly ramping it up. Uh, so is Byron Brown. He's doing a lot more public appearances. Um, you know, we're we're hitting that time. Yeah, like it, like uh, I mentioned earlier, Byron and Garcia seem to have formed a some sort of alliance of necessi- necessity, or maybe alliance of just pure belief who knows but byron has tied himself to the republican candidate for sheriff Mm. or the republican candidate for sheriff has tied himself to byron i'm not sure which way it goes Uh, if if it went one way or the other if i was garcia and i was like i'll tie myself to byron like people in the suburbs are terrified of a socialist and they don't have a vote (laughs) in the mayor's race so, and that's a, so I, I mean, I think there's also a case to uh, to be made that it goes the other way, too, because, uh, I mean, the big scare tactic is going to be crime, right? If you let, let uh, a socialist comes in who has talked favorably about things like um, you know, cutting the police budget and reallocating money, um, then you're going to get a, a world of crime worse than what we've ever seen. So if you're a mayoral candidate tying yourself to law enforcement, that is going to play strategically in the city right now, too, when they're going to trumpet that message a lot. Well, I, I agree with you, but what what happens if, if Kim Beatty, the Democratic candidate for, oh, you're going to do that to me, Byron? Well, then fuck you and ties herself to India. And, well, Kim that, that could be a good and Kim, Kim Beatty says, all right, Byron is basically saying that we'll ha- we would rather have a Republican mayor than a black woman. And if that's what he's saying, then fuck him and, and light him on fire. Well, we, we did have we did have Kim Beatty on the show. We interviewed her. She was 
I don't want to say reticent, but she was definitely not, you know, she said, hey, we'll work with whoever the endorse, you know, I have to focus on my race, yada, yada. So she wasn't like chomping at the bit. Yeah, but that was before that, point, that was before I, the mayor was shitting on her. I, I understand. The mayor's shitting on her now. I understand. I'm just saying, I'm just saying she, she might want to try the tech, which again, I don't, I don't actually agree with. I think your strategy that we've talked about on the show before is that, hey, you might want to tie yourself to India Walton a little bit more to drive out that turnout in the city that I think you're really going to need. I, I think that's a better plan of attack. Well, I, I would, I'm not sure that that's necessarily what I, 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 I meant in the past, but that's what I mean. That's what I meant. Like, I, I mean, where I'm getting at now is like, it looks like the mayor is endorsing Garcia. Well, then you might as well pick sides. Don't stand on the sideline and be like, I don't want to pick sides, but this one person hates me. Right. Right. I mean, we'll see. You know, we again, she might just try to be the I'm above it all type of candidate, which is, is certainly one strategy. I don't know if that's the, the winning strategy, but I know it's it's something that she seems to have expressed an interest in in the past, especially based on her interview with us. Right. Um, Moving on, though, we went long on the mayor's race, but there's a lot to talk about. A lot, as I like to say, it's, meat on the bone. It's 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 the most important the wing. race going on right now. And flat or drum, there's a lot of meat on the wing. I'm a I'm a drum guy. Can I can I add just one more? Yes. Thing yeah. Oh, please. Changes. Yes. Um, so th- this is something I haven't been able to dig into the the data yet, although I've pulled it. Um, for the Ohio congressional race that Nina Turner ran in. So a lot of um, a lot of the pushback against candidates, you know, like, like your Bernie Sanders at the presidency um, and, and folks who might align ideologically with with that camp. A lot of the pushback is that they win sort of the white college educated vote. And that's about it, that they don't win with working class voters. Initial sort of returns on Nina Turner's race suggest that she did win in um, you know, working class communities of color. And I'll have a, a piece coming out soon, maybe uh, maybe even by the time this this launches. Um, but if you look at the patterns in Buffalo, uh, India Walton, yes, she won in areas that are more affluent, that are, are wider areas of the city. But one demographic or, or one sort of group where she really dominated was among renters, right? The the unpropertied. And so that's that's bringing together a coalition. It's almost like you know debt or, or student loans or anything else. That's something, it's a tie that can bind. And it's a base that you have a real opportunity to expand given sort of the tight housing market we find ourselves in, the stagnant wages that younger voters have faced. So, you know, that's that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on, too, um, that this isn't sort of necessarily uh, a group of voters that supported her that can be split up into these nice, uh, you know, even boxes. She she built a, a pretty, you know, interesting cross-cutting base, and um, now they're getting fired up. So the, you know, the general election is going to be super interesting to watch. That would ve- No, that's a great point, Rusty, and it would very much explain why uh, a lot of the uh, the realtor class <laughs> there's like a there's like a a realtor that's like right in my neighborhood in Allentown and they've got a big old right down Byron Brown sign right uh, right by Klein hands so it's like oh you know you know exactly who's in the yeah. in the bag for Byron and 
I, 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 it's very much economic, but it's no, that's certainly interesting. And we'll plug that paper, by the way, because we love to plug you, Rusty. You're our, you're our boy. You're our, sure. you're our boy. You're our numbers guy. You know, you're the stat genius. I, I'm curious, based on those numbers for, for Nina Turner, a lot of people are calling for her to like run again in the future. Do you think she should give it another shot? I think she um, should. I mean, Corey, Corey Bush rode that path, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's right. What happened with her? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I would certainly think so. There are a lot of positives to take out of that race. I know it was a disappointment for um, a lot of folks who were watching it. But yeah, just the, the patterns of, of the districts where she won and how she won in those areas. Um, yeah, that's sort of the politics that, um, you know, that part of the left really needs to be playing to yeah. is, you know, how do you how do you win folks that are um, that are working class? And how do you then begin to, to expand that base going forward? So, um, yeah, I, I'll I'll be happy to dissect that once I get some time to actually run those numbers, too. Cool. Well, speaking of expanding going forward, and this is a juicy one for you, Rusty, okay? Because I know you've been doing a lot, a lot of, uh, I sound like Trump. I don't know. I don't know why my speech pattern. <laughs> what are you doing, It's Reed? so much fun. It's so much fun to just talk like this. Uh, I know you've been looking at a lot of numbers, Rusty, big <laughs> numbers, great numbers. They're wonderful numbers. We love them, folks. Tremendous. Oh, no. Tremendous numbers. Oh, we got to stop this. Oh, no. It's just going to keep, it's going to get worse. <laughs> The Erie County, the so the census data has come out showing that for the first time in what Jim seventy years you said uh, well uh, seventy years for the city of Buffalo I think it's like thirty years for the Erie County of Erie seventy years for the city of Buffalo and thirty years for the Erie County of Erie have we seen a population increase Russell crazy explain give us the deets man yeah. well uh, so for the city. A lot of the, you know, the data that you pay for, right, the, the commercial data providers that, uh, that forecast this stuff, they were predicting another, uh, another decade of slight, not a lot, but slight population loss. Um, so the census data that were released, it's part of the public law 94171, which is to support redistricting efforts. So it's not the whole 2020 decennial census that's out yet, but it's enough that we get to see where population has changed. And so they released that Thursday at one. Of course, I was one of the nerds there refreshing the FTP page, waiting to grab the data right at one o'clock. Um, and so, you know, I, I pulled it and processed it. And then, yeah, it showed that the city had gained about 18,000 people over the past decade. And, um, you know, one of the, the interesting things about where that happened um, is that it was relatively widespread. And a lot of the higher growth areas percentage wise um, were east of, of Main Street and areas that had been subject to some of the largest population losses since the 1950s. So, um, you know, that's one interesting aspect. And then the second is when you dig under the hood a little bit, um, that population growth was entirely driven by communities of color. Um, and so given sort of some of the anecdotes and on the ground expertise of places like the International Institute, it's pretty safe to say that um, new Americans and um, specifically members of refugee communities really, you know, save saved the population in, in Buffalo and, and kept it from you know reaching that fate that a lot of the analysts you know before this year had expected that the Buffalo would decline again so um, it's a super positive development 
um, it's not an even population growth. So, um, you know, in terms of, of redistricting, some of the, the places that are really askew right now, um, Ellicott's, the Ellicott district in the city of Buffalo is way under what it's going to need to reach for a population threshold based on that growth. Um, the North District is way over. So, you know, it's going to have a lot of implications for how the districts even in the city get redrawn for the Common Council. But yeah, population growth, um, it was urban for once. It wasn't just in the suburbs. Uh, the only places that really lost population were out where I am, right, in, in the rural or more remote areas of the county. Um, but Buffalo grew, you know, Clarence, Lancaster, um, those, you know, are places that experienced even, growth. Even, even Chitawaga grew. Yeah, even Cheektowaga grew, and Cheektowaga became, uh, um, much like Buffalo, uh, markedly more diverse in terms of race, ethnicity as well. Right, and so you're talking about, like, like North, which is where a lot of, because North, the Common Council District, not North Buffalo yeah. is, most people would define North Buffalo when they say they're driving North Buffalo. When most people think, that, oh, I'm going to North Buffalo, what you're actually doing is going to Delaware District. If you're going to North, a Common Council District, you're going to, like, Black Rock Riverside. Black Rock, yeah, Grant Amherst even a little right, bit. Right, Grant Amherst a little bit. And and that had a lot of Iraqi refugees move into it. Um, Fillmore District grew a little bit. And Fillmore has a lot of Bengali and Bangladeshi re uh, refugees moving into it. Yeah, and so Fillmore is, is one of uh, the others that's sort of above what the threshold is typically considered for being okay, like close enough to the population that you're supposed to have when you split population evenly between the nine districts. So Fillmore is going to have to be, um, you know, redrawn again to accommodate its growth. Um, so, I mean, so it's, it's interesting because like when we think of like city of Buffalo growth, we think of like, well, Niagara is getting more population because it's getting gentrified. But that's not the case as far as like across the board census population growth, what we're seeing. We're seeing districts that are often kind of common council districts, I'm saying, uh, often not considered to be the, the most uh, prestigious, I guess I'll, I'll give it, or the ones you're not normally thinking of as far as having population growth when you're seeing like I said, Fillmore North as the ones receiving growth. That's not now normally where I think most people, if you're buying into the city of Buffalo's resurgent or Buffalo newspapers, yeah. resurgence and growth of the city. They came for the Buffalo billions. If, if you're buying into the city, uh, Buffalo newspapers, like, well, it's because like they're developing these areas. We didn't develop the North district. We didn't develop Fillmore. Those districts yeah, I, I, they, so they I, didn't I mean, see to, to that point too. The areas, uh, the districts that you know lost population, or, or not necessarily lost population, but are under the population threshold. So if they did grow, they didn't grow fast enough to, uh, you know, catch up with with the Norths. Um, so Delaware right now is behind where it needs to be, not by much, but it would have. So the ideal population right now for a district is going to be around 31,000 people. And so Delaware is just below that um, and Ellicott's. So, you know, where where you have downtown and where you have a, a lot of development concentrated over the past decade is at about 28,700. So that's you know, th those areas where we've been you know, subsidizing that that sort of development. Those are the ones that didn't grow as fast. Also, hey, suck. You thought I was done talking about the mayor's race. So Byron Brown, who has already said that, hey, we're not going to have uh, Buffalo be a sanctuary city. 
if he wins this race in November, I just want to say that this population increase of immigrants, Byron Brown is somebody who's already shown himself at least to be somewhat hostile to immigrant populations. Very hostile. Well, you know, I, I said somewhat as a qualifier, Jim, but yes, very hostile. I think you can say Byron Brown, who has shown himself to not be a friend of immigrant communities, would again be in charge of a city full of like new immigrants. And so you have to deal with the ramifications of that. So if you're a person who has like a, you know, love is love and science is real and, you know, immigrants are my friends and I, I like, I'm a first generation immigrant. What, what do you call the people where they're like their parents immigrated and then they're, then you're the next traitors one. traitors. Yeah. <laughs> first, first against the wall. That's me, baby. Yeah. That's me. Put me up there. I'm a first or second generation immigrant. I don't know how you, you say it, but it's like, I don't, I don't want this dude. You know, I, I was born here in case you're listening, uh, fucking Pete Harding. Uh, you might've name searched somehow and find us, but I was mm -hmm. born here. I was born in, in the U S of a, but what I'm saying is we have a city full, like blossoming with people uh, really like marginalized people from all over the world who are coming to Buffalo. Do you want like Republican light Byron Brown who will be on the warpath of, I, I can't imagine he gets any, any friendlier towards immigrants populations, Jim. That's all I'm saying. What I, I'm, what I'm most interested in maybe most concerned about is how many of these people are coming here to podcast. <laughs> Oh, they're flooding the market, are yeah. they? Because oh, oh, well, now they're competitors. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I was just listening to a, jobs. I know. Yeah, take <laughs> I was just listening to a Rocky podcast called The Rhombus. Oh, how that you were listening to this? Well, I, I, I like was to it do, a local Iraqi. Yeah, I like oh, to do okay. oppositional research. Okay, mm -hmm. and and was it any good? Uh, oh, they're better than the we. Oh, yeah, man. much better. Yeah, Shit. listen to the. We'll plug the rhombus. Okay. Yeah, the, the, listen the rhombus. to the rhombus. Okay. Yeah, listen to the rhombus. <laughs> oh well, you know who's definitely listening to the rhombus? Governor Hochul. Oh, the governator Kathy. Yeah, so soon to be, soon to be Governor Kathy. Yeah, big news this week. Governor Cuomo put in his two weeks notice. Yeah, it right. fucked us because we talked last week. Yeah. Like, you listen, he, when did he resign or say he was going to resign? On Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. Our episode dropped on Thursday. Oh and so God. people had to listen to us be like, well, I don't think he's going to resign well, anytime uh, soon. Uh, uh, <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, what's funny is that I said I thought he was going to resign. And Rhea was like, you're going to have to drag him out kicking and screaming. Well, you're going to have to drag me out kicking and screaming <laughs> if you think I'm ever going to admit to being wrong. Okay. Never, not gonna happen, folks. He okay? hasn't left yet. He I mean, hasn't left yet. Okay. Uh, I I will say that like the my favorite thing about uh, him uh, resigning personally was that uh, I had made a I made a bet with my father's friend Puscott. <laughs> that's that, that's that yeah, might, yeah. I, I think that's his confirmation name. Uh huh. Uh huh. Puscott. Where does he? Where does Puscott live? Hinsdale, New York. Okay, all right. Lovely. Yeah, near Franklinville. Lo lovely yeah. Hinsdale, New York. And we were at the cabin uh, a couple weeks ago. Sure, we were. Yeah. And uh, I said that I didn't think that Cuomo was going to make the month before he resigned. Yeah. And Puscott said, "Oh, he's going to be governor next year." And I was like, "No, there's no, there's no chance." Oh wait, Puscott's not a governor Cuomo fan. He no, he's not a Governor Cuomo fan, but but he <laughs> he's figured. the only Governor Cuomo fan in Hinsdale. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not a Governor Cuomo fan, but uh, yeah, right. I was like, you know, I work for the state assembly. Uh -huh. I have a 
Like Puska's not in government, right? He's, right. No, he's, no, no, he's, he's just a yokel. Not he, that you know of. Right? He, he's retired. Deep state and, he, and he owns a restaurant. There you go. Okay. And uh, I was like, I'm not saying I have inside information because I don't. I I never get the inside information. I find out things when you find things. But I was like, you know, I have some intuition because like I I do work in this field. Yeah. He's not going to make it to the end of the month, so he bet me. And I was like, I'll take that bet. Mm-hmm. And so what now I have, wager? you know, the do amount you, of money is inconsequential. Do you, do you own his soul? <laughs> do you own his restaurant? I don't own his restaurant. <laughs> what about his soul? You know, I probably got paid better than his soul's worth. <laughs> you, get, you get his hand-painted Cuomo sucks on from him telling The only thing is now I have to drive down to Franklinville to get paid. Yeah, you got to spend more in gas to get probably get your money. Yeah, but yeah, to, to see the look on, on Puscut's face... <laughs> When he has to hand over his, yeah, I would say hard-earned money. Except he owns a restaurant and he probably pays those people garbage. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, what what pushed the governor over the edge this week? I mean, he's been kind of swatting these allegations away for a while, but there was one thing in particular which kind of put him over the edge. Right? It was the the state trooper thing. I think the state trooper allegations really, right, really brought it to the indefensible as far as his staff thought yeah and once his staff started to bail he was really left with no friends the violin was playing i mean he was left with with no friends when the speaker of the assembly said that the governor had lost the what's it called uh he had lost uh uh, lost his iphone confidence confidence yes of the of the oh, assembly. I was going to say, what's his face? The newscaster uh, from the 1950s. Walter Cronkite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the governor lost Walter Cronkite. Yeah, right. No, he lost the confidence. He lost the support of the assembly. It was over. It was done. Because the speaker is or has been, had been a pretty close ally of, and I'm not, this is not me working the assembly telling news. You can read this in the Times Union if you read the Albany Times Union or the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Buffalo News or Rochester Democratic Chronicle or any other newspaper. And this is uh, Assembly Speaker Carl Yeasty, Heasty, as I like to call him. Yes. Um, yes. He had been a close ally of the governor's. And when he said it was over, it was over. Ah, but what he. But what uh, Yeasty Yeasty just came out and said recently tells us it's it's over on Andrew Cuomo's terms, Jim, because the assembly has officially dropped the articles of impeachment. Yes, they well, dropped them. They they dropped the dropped. impeachment investigation. There was never any, any suspended it. Suspended. There was never any articles that were actually brought forth. And they dropped it because their explanation is, the explanation that we received is that according to their legal counsel, in New York State, under the New York State Constitution, you can impeach an office holder, but you cannot impeach somebody who does not hold office. And so if Cuomo resigns, and they they did say they suspended it, they didn't drop it. If he in two weeks is like, just kidding, not resigning, they can resume the impeachment hearing, uh, impeachment proceedings. But their take is, based off of their legal counsel, is that the way the New York State Constitution is written, you can't impeach somebody who doesn't hold office. It is. I'm going to put a, a plug in here for uh, 
a friend of mine, Robert Hockett, who's a law professor at Cornell, who came out and uh, wrote an opinion about that logic. And so it, it's posted. Assemblymember Ron Kim shared it. Go, go, uh, you know, search Google for that and read uh, his take on this matter. Right. I, I saw Ron Kim's post uh, on this uh, because, like, uh, he's decided an NYU con, uh, con law professor. So, I mean, they're, they're both pulling out the big guns. Cornell, NYU, you're pulling out the big guns in New York State to support your, your stances. I personally think they should have a war between those two schools. <laughs> I, I, would, I would. I, well, they yeah. used to. Uh, they used to have wars between those two schools when like they were the best schools in football. But that, that passed 150 years ago. Yeah. So now, apparently, uh, we should just ask the University of Alabama what they think. Re- real quick, you mentioned the state trooper thing, but what actually happened? There was, there was a female state trooper who was too... Uh, didn't have enough service to be on so, Governor Cuomo's detail. Right, right? So personal detail. Th- there was a, a female state trooper who showed up uh, on like general detail, right? Not on the governor's personal detail, but on general detail at an event. And the governor was like asking questions, right, about that particular trooper. And shortly thereafter, was promoted to the governor's personal detail. Mm-hmm. And the governor some rules around so she could do that. Governor's personal detail required three years of state trooper experience to do that. She only had two years. And according to the AG's report, there was an email from her supervisor to her was that they changed the requirements just for her and brought her in to be part of the governor's personal detail. And then Andy went into full creeper mode. Right at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there, uh, there's an incident where he put his hand on her stomach and like rubs his his hand all the way across yeah. her stomach to her hip. Yeah, which he defended like a crazy person, uh, like an insane sick person, little freak. He uh, brought this up and talked about it in right. his press conference or recorded <laughs> statement last week, uh-huh. where he was like, "When people hold the door for me, I put my hand on their arm, on their stomach, on their back." That's my way of saying, I see you. Thank you. And when he said that, I said to my office man, I was like, or hear me out. You could say thank you to the person. <laughs> you don't have to put your hand on their stomach. And then there was also uh, in the AG's report where he put his finger on the back of her neck and traced it all the way down her spine to her lower back. And you know what? Let's say in some world I was willing to entertain the idea that he touches men on the stomach like he touches women on the stomach yeah. when they're holding the door for okay. him. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to entertain that fact. I don't believe that to be true. But like, let's say there's a world where I entertain that fact. Are you telling me that like when he has like Terry Crews from Brooklyn Nine-Nine as part of his like police escort... He puts his finger on the back of their neck and traces it all the way down to the back, his lower back. That'd be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, we he we he wouldn't be governor anymore because he'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Andrew Cuomo, you know, setting back Italians like a hundred years more than the Jersey Shore and the Godfather combined. Yeah. Uh, right. So, truly, just remarkable stuff from our sick little freak of oh, soon to be former governor. Oh my god. Disgusting. Ugh. But, but, you know, the, the, well, bright, bright is one word for it, but the, um, the upshot, how about that? Okay. The, uh, the upshot of all this is that Andy, bye bye. Okay. And now we have a soon to be new governor who 
is very familiar to us here in Western New York. Kathy Hochul goes from lieutenant to, uh, you know, full the, the governor, big, the big cheese. Yeah. Um, there was an article in, again, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, there was an article in the paper today. It was the Bob McCarthy column. So you can take it with as many grains of salt as you can possibly fit into your hand. Just the whole shaker in your the mouth. Whole, just like, yeah, ah. like just a, bo- a whole box of Mortons. Talking about like how you know, even when Byron was state chair, he was basically dismissed by Andy Cuomo. And for like the last like 50 years, Erie County chairs, Erie County Pauls, they've all been kind of dismissed by statewide officials downstate officials to the point where like they even brought up how because he was mad at him mario cuomo called john krangle when he was erie county chair a non-person Jeez. which seems a little harsh it's harsh and my official take on it is that's a little harsh to call somebody a non-person i mean you know who i would call a non-person vaccine deniers but i mean like Rusty, you're not just our numbers guy here. I mean, give give us the take right, right. on a on uh, a on a Western New York governor. What's how, up? How little does John Krangle have to be a person to be considered a non-person? <laughs> What's the math on? Get that? into the big data. Kind of like how many licks does it take to get to the center of a taxi? <laughs> I mean, about to bite into that. Yeah. So I mean, with Governor Hochul, it's going to be interesting. So I, I think I've got this right, but Jim, you could probably correct me if I'm wrong. Did it take a, a white governor resigning to give us both our first African-American governor and David Patterson and now our first female governor in, in Kathy Hochul? Yeah, no. Oh, my God. We're, we're, we're aiming for the trifecta is, you know, if we can get our first white governor to resign so we can get our first, like, Latinx female, like, we can we can finally hit the triple crown of governor resignations. I mean, that's, uh, the, the fact that that's the only way it's happening is... Uh, Says something about our, our voters, but I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm not a lifelong New Yorker, as you guys know, but to have a, a governor whose sort of roots and base of power is in Western New York, that that could be a, I mean, it's the potential to be a game changer for upstates, um, to have not a downstate focus in the executive office for for a change. Yeah, I mean, what what's going to definitely happen is that there are going to be more upstate people in executive office positions yeah that's exactly right that's representation that's uh that doesn't exist to a a large degree at the moment right i mean because like there are going to be certain positions and you know like office of budget management and stuff like like things that are like very tightly controlled by the governor's office very under very much under that thumb that they want to have 100 percent control over where they're going to try to fill that, and Luke, Kathy is going to try to fill that with people that she trusts. And she's probably going to trust people that she's known for 20, 25, 30, 40 years in Erie County more than people she's known for the last 10 to 15 years from downstate. Look, we're not going to see, like, enter ex-town councilman from wales is not going to become robert moses that's not that's not going to happen oh, man. um Damn. but you are going to see a certain amount of for lack of better term brain drain of people going from buffalo moving east to albany and what's going to happen is probably it's going to free up positions in buffalo for other individuals to step into yeah and i mean just having a, sort of the um you know 
at that level of government, having someone that looks at things through sort of an upstate lens is really helpful because, I mean, a lot of state legislation is sort of geared toward downstate. Um, you know, not to, to ping back to the mayor's race too many times, but, you know, one of the, the policies that's been on the campaign trail and that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes up in the, the forthcoming debate here um, is that one of India Walton's key proposals has, has been pro-tenant pro, uh, proposals and, and one of them being rent control in the city of Buffalo. And the state legislation that allows municipalities to set rent control uh, basically is almost designed specifically for, for Manhattan, right? So it, it requires a certain number of units to be in the building. The building has to have been built before a, a certain time period. Um, and so I, I know that's legislation, so that's not at the executive level, but you know, for a governor to sign legislation right, that, like that, you could take a look at it and say, well, that doesn't really factor into a lot of upstate communities. Um, so I, I mean, just having that level of analysis available at the executive level, I, I think could be really interesting. Governor Hochul, soon to be Governor Hochul anyway, uh, fortuitous for those of us in, in Western New York, hopefully, and we see a little bit more of a Western New York focus, but also fortuitous for, uh, well, let's say uh, Terry and Kim Pagula. Oh, yes. How about that, guys? How about uh, as we come rounding the bend of our forthcoming stadium negotiations, how um, would, would you guys handicap having a Western New York governor being involved in the negotiations here. How, how good is this going to end up being for the Pagulas? Here's how good it is. They couldn't have planned it any better. <laughs> uh, they have billions of dollars, and if they could purchase a state government to be as good as possible, they never in their wildest dreams would have imagined a governor from Western New York and a majority leader of the assembly from Western New York. Right, I'm gonna put my conspiracy theory hat on. You've, you've heard, you've heard of like the Havana disease, Havana sickness, right? The microwaves and everything. Mm -hmm. Do you think, uh, being billionaires, the Pagulas have some kind of microwave device that caused Andy Cuomo to be a pervert? Just like, yeah, lit up that it, part I'm not of ruling it out. I'm yeah, in order for this to happen, like playing the long game, like ten years ago. You know, I, it's either that or fracking water. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They spiked his drinks with fracking water. I don't right. know fracking water and that effect on people. That's, you know, no, okay. you, boy, a known, right. a known aphrodisiac. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, in small doses, so like in large the, doses, you get Cuomo. All the fracking workers may be based on the seismic waves or the chemicals, the water. Mm -hmm. They just start to like be perverts all of a sudden. Yeah, it's, on the job site, they're they're and they're like, I, I know how I'm going to back, and I know how I'm going to get the governor. I'm going to I'm going to get Kathy Ockel in here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, as our as friend of the pod, Rob Galbraith, uh, has been on this beat on for quite some time, uh, Kathy Hochul's husband is one William Hochul. You might know that name. Pretty familiar around here. He was, uh, was he like the DA, Jim? U.S. Attorney. U.S. Attorney. He actually prosecuted the Lackawanna Six. Ah. Okay. And uh, it turns out. You know, he's no longer the U.S. attorney, but he still has a job. He's got a lawyer job because those people always seem to find ways to be employed. And who does he work for, Jim? Um, check my notes. <clears throat> Delaware North. Oh, Delaware North. That name yeah. sounds super familiar. Delaware North. It's, a uh, it's, an, it's, it's, it's an intersection. Yeah, there's um, a Walgreens over there. There is a Walgreens is there. Like, is that where Rehoboth Beach is? Yes, they, they have that there, too. Yeah, Delaware. Delaware, Delaware North. Why do I know that name, Jim? Delaware North. Oh, oh they run all the concessions at the Bill Stadium. Holy. Uh, 
That's where I know that. That's name where I get from. the terrible pizza from. Oh man, that's where I pay fifteen dollars for a shitty beer. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Right. So uh, no, it's it's very interesting. Kathy Hochul obviously has some political interest in keeping the bills in Buffalo. You don't want to be the governor of New York State and run for re-election, which she has to do next year. Well, well not re-election, retain. Uh, you don't want to run for election in New York on the, at least in West New York, on the I was the governor who let the bills leave. And then you also don't want to be like, well, I had a chance to help my husband's company make more money. And I said, ah, fuck it. Yeah. No, no, no. Not today. I got other things. Right, yeah. And uh and, and Billy Hoax Hoax Hole. Mm-hmm. You know, he has not stepped down from Delaware North. He's not recused himself in any way. No, no. but Kathy Ogle has assured us that, that there there are no conflicts. <laughs> Just well, trust her. She did say everything's that, gonna be okay. She did say that there's a recusal process. Okay. okay. Because Delaware North, it's not just the Bill Stadium. It's they also do the concessions at like the horse tracks across the uh, across the state and the casinos and Key Bank uh, Center. They do it. They do it at the ballpark. Uh, other, well, other, and not just in everywhere. other professional sports arenas across. Right, the right. not just in New York. Like uh, notably, like they're the, are they the Boston Bruins as well? Is that? Oh yeah. Well, they're, they're all over the place. That's not a conflict of interest. Like no, but uh, what I'm like, saying, like they, like like uh, Jeremy Jacobs of Delaware North owns the Boston Bruins. That is not a conflict of interest with the governor of New York. Well, no. What is a conflict of interest with the governor of New York is that they make five hundred million dollars a year off of the New York State. Yeah, well, yeah, for yeah. sure. But my my point is that look, a lot of these things are based on precedent, right? So negotiations in other cities with. Local, you know, with elected officials are based on, well, hey, New York State did this for the bills. And if you have somebody who's in the tank with Delaware North, who's leading these negotiations with the bills and they get a more generous deal otherwise, that puts a lot of pressure on other other states and municipalities. Um, I don't think so. Well, re- I, 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 re- I, reasonable minds will disagree. I, I hear what you're saying, but like maybe if it was same for same, if the Jacobs family owned the New England Patriots and they were saying like, well, now we can get a sweetheart deal for our football for the football team in, in New York State, and then we can make billions off of New England or Massachusetts for our football team. But they own the fucking Bruins, man. Like the Bruins don't even play in their own arena; they play in the Celtics arena. Again, reasonable minds will disagree, but we can we can both agree on this one that you know, eh, it's a little little sus, little sketch. Right, yeah, it's it's you know, among us, it's sus, sus, wow. sus. Oh, you guys are talking like the kids do. Yeah, well, well you follow me on TikTok. <laughs> Should we get a? T- we have an Instagram no, now. I will no, I will not do a TikTok. Rusty, are you on TikTok? Do you watch the TikTok? I, I I'm not on the TikTok, but I, I've I've heard about this technology. Not doing the TikTok. Not doing the TikTok. We I, just, folks, we just created an Instagram, by the way. Square Podcast on Instagram. G- give us like six months. Folks, we just created a TikTok. Square Podcast. <laughs> we're going to have Ernest. No, we're going to have Ernest dancing and like have memes. I'm like against, I'm not against the kids making TikToks. I'm against TikTok. The only way, general. the only Ernest is dancing is not a way that I would allow. Because oh, the only way that Ernest is dancing. Whoa, whoa, okay. what do we got? Okay. What? You need to explain this. Well, the only way Ernest is dancing is if, is if Snake takes his electric fly swatter. Yeah. And it's hitting Ernest My zapper. My zapper. The zapper. Oh, I will and, never do that to and Ernest. If, if, if he's hitting Ernest with the zapper, Ernest <laughs> will dance. I'm not going to do that. Snake's a, snake's a guy. Not or, an animal or, abuser. Or, okay. or. 
Or if he gets out his Glock and he starts shooting at Ernest's feet. Well, first no. of all, I don't have a Glock, and I would not do that to Ernest. Dance, Ernest, dance. No. That's not what you said last night. Oh. Well, when you, were, when you were like, I bet you Ernest can dance well, and hit him with this. We can I'm cut sorry. the animal abuse talking post, okay? Yeah. okay. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're moving on. Uh, Ryan vociferously opposed to the TikTok until you know, it becomes and a thing. And against animal abuse. Uh, until it's the thing that we're all doing. Right. It's going to be on so, TikTok. Are we talking Bill Stadium? We could talk more about the Bill Stadium. Well, I mean, what do we got to talk about here? What, what else? What else? This is what we're talking yeah, about. Let's, let's do it. Let's listen. Uh, again, we're recording this on Sunday. And Rusty, did you see the Buffalo News today? I, I hear that the stadium is a dump. It, stadium, <laughs> according dump. To, according recently to recently renovated and updated dump. A, according to the Pagula Sports Entertainment PR team, which is basically, as far as I can tell, the Buffalo News. Um, <laughs> The stadium's a dump, and it's going to take a billion dollars to renovate the stadium. They just made updates. Are you telling me they just like poured trash all over? Yeah, well, as part of that process, or what? Maybe. Okay. And how long ago? The, when they when they say they just made updates, how long? It was like six years ago. Yeah, okay, it's not that long ago. I mean, it it isn't, but it, it kind of is. All right. Well, I guess. What do I know about stadiums? I mean. If you painted your house six years ago, you have you don't have vinyl siding. You have yeah, yeah, yeah. regular siding. Well, okay, so you're telling me the Bills fans need a brand new concrete corner to piss in when they get too drunk. Probably. The, okay. All right. It's just it's just not good enough. For I mean, it's, it's, well, I mean, there's a lot of piss, so that's a lot of erosion. <laughs> is, is it part of the goddamn appeal of that stadium that it's kind of a dump? I think so. You know, it's like it's our dump. We're, okay. We're, we're the closest that you can get to, like, a college football team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you've got, like, you know, kind of the shitty stadium. Like, it's not not the high end. You don't get the, the luxury, the works there. But it's not terrible. It's not, you know, it's not Jerry World. It's not uh, some gargantuan behemoth. No, who needs it? Uh, with, like, computer screens everywhere. But it's a place you can go and, yeah, piss all over and have a good time. And get real fucking drunk and root for the Bills, who may or may not disappoint you. Who knows? Well, well, Rusty, so uh, your friend, Jason Knight. Our friend. He's our friend, too. Well, he's, he's our friend. Um, but Jason was like, fuck him. Let him leave on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and that's saying something, because he's been a season ticket holder forever. Well, uh, I mean, so. I mean but, but part of his response was, uh, I saw Brian Bray, who has been a longtime political guy um <laughs> guy in politics guy in politics posted like the bills should be allowed to leave and ub should take over as like the main football like franchise in buffalo yeah okay and i was like well that's never gonna happen and he's like well no he's, he's like i think if the bills leave within five years ub would be in the acc and jason knight was like well they should be and i and i didn't respond because I was laughing too hard. Actually, is probably the main <laughs> issue. Because, like, the ACC is, like, they're considering expanding, and they're not sure Penn State's good enough for them. What makes you think that fucking Buffalo is good enough for them? Like, they already have the upstate television market with Syracuse locked in. The ACC, they would rather that, like, Mercyhurst started their own football program and became D1 right away and tap into Pennsylvania, then they would care about Buffalo. <laughs> well, the stadium, uh, regard, regardless of the viability of the UB Bulls, which, uh, spoiler alert, not 
not ever going to happen. Um, look, they can walk. They won't walk. The bills aren't going anywhere. We just said Kathy Hochul's governor. They're definitely not going anywhere. But the press offensive is on because, yeah, as you mentioned, Rusty, they said it's a dump. Okay. It's a newly, not really newly, but renovated enough place. And yet it's falling into disrepair. Um, whether that's true or not, which I don't think it's true. Like I know, again, I just said, I know part of the appeals is no, kind of a dump. They're but sandbagging. They're it. certainly sandbagging. I mean, this is all part of the game. You probably have seen it in other cities. Uh, if you've been paying attention to this sort of thing, if not, this is exactly the playbook where they're like, Oh, our facilities are so run down. Oh, the stadium's so terrible. It'd oh, it's more an to fix it than build new. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that. I will say in the in the history of this playbook, there's literally one stadium that's true about this, and that's the Oakland Coliseum where the Oakland A's play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, okay, right. it, if it rains too hard, yeah, their dugouts flood, and yeah. nobody can sit in the dugout for uh, a baseball game. Oh, that's bad. And by, by rain too hard, I mean like half an inch. I, I want to know when the Buffalo News Ed Board uh, is going to get that exclusive media tour of. Um, you know, public schools in the city and, and write up something saying that they're, you know, they need more funding. Oh, oh we'll get to the schools in just oh, a second. Yeah, speaking yeah, of we, we will get to the schools yeah. in just a moment. I, I, I've offered them that ex- exclusive tour because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm willing to just go into the schools. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to ask Rusty, as, as a fiscal conservative like you are, uh, how much of your own money would you be willing to put into if you had multiple billions of dollars? How much money would you be willing to put into a football stadium? A football stadium for the Bills? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're going to say the Steelers are off limits right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. So I, I have billions of dollars. Um, I think my first choice is obviously to buy a rocket to go to space. Sure. And then oh, after yes. that, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I throw in 50 bucks. What, 50 bucks. That's the go- folks going what about, once. What about instead of space, just near space? Uh, you know, w- would the rocket at least look like a giant penis? Yeah. Yes, well, yes, uh, absolutely. I'm good. Right. That's a given. Yeah. The dick rocket for sure. Uh, but if that's what you're looking for, we can make the stadium look like one too. <laughs> Oh, we go the we can go we go the Georgia O'Keefe route. We go the other way. Yeah, we yeah, can yeah. make the stadium look like a giant bowl, and then have the rocket fly into it. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, to to bring you back home a little bit, Rusty, because I, I assume that you just have looked at every piece of recorded data science that was ever out there. Um, talk a little bit to us. I know that there are studies out there showing that the economic viability of stadium funding is close to nil, right? That basically that uh, basically that municipalities get almost nothing um, economically out of, you know, public funding of stadiums. Just for the listeners, give us a little bit on that. Yeah. I mean, all, all of the economic studies, um, or I'd say at least the consensus of, of the economic studies around this is, you know, a, a stadium fits into that, uh, strategy of a, a signature development. So museums, uh, sports stadiums or, or what have you, that's the, the idea. It's the same sort of trickle down narrative that if you build something like that, the dollars are eventually going to trickle out to the communities that's that need money. 
Um, and the data just show that that really doesn't happen, right? Most of the time, it's um, just sacrificing a ton of local assets to be able to get these in there. Um, and then, yeah, you get uh, their tourist attractions. People are going to go there every week to see a game, but that's not going to, you know, fix the houses that are are in the next neighborhood over that have been in disrepair. That's not going to put more money into the public schools. So, yeah, it's it's just it's not a game changing strategy. It's um, just something shiny to look at. Right. And I don't know if the studies differentiate between the types of arenas, but I would imagine that like American football stadiums are like the worst because they only have like eight to 11 events a year. Right. And and where like at least like if you have a baseball team, if you're the city of Pittsburgh and you have the Pirates and they have 81 games and you're getting 30,000 people or 10,000 people or whatever you're getting somewhere in between there for 81 games to come to a certain area. There is a certain amount of financial value that you get out of that. Whereas when you're getting eight events, that is really limiting. I mean, you're going to get the crowd, um, but it's a cost benefit thing. So, you know, too often when these arenas are built, you're just, throwing everything that you have as a municipality or, or even you know, a lot of state assets, public dollars uh, to them. And so the return that you get usually doesn't offset it. Um, you know, to plug my beloved Pittsburgh Penguins, so I'm a hockey fan above all else, but right, that's one you know more recent arena that actually had a community benefits agreement with it when it was constructed. So yeah, it got public funding, um, but then uh, you know, Consul was obligated to build things like a grocery store and a food desert, and um, you know, to hire folks from the local community and provide job training. I haven't actually seen any of the data post that to see if they've fulfilled all of their their requirements, but that's one where you, know, you actually have a, a documented case of a binding community benefits agreement. Well, um, uh, uh, most of the cases are just, uh, here's $1.4 billion. Please have games for us. Well, And, and that's the thing. Uh, like, it, it's my understanding, like, 10 years ago when uh, the county and state agreed to do rehabilitation to what's now considered, what's now called Highmark Stadium. It was called, uh, I guess, Buffalo Football Stadium at the time. I don't, I don't know what the name Ralph. is. Ralph. Ralph. The, the Ralph. Ralph Wilson. Part of the agreement was that the bills would help fund a metro rail station in Orchard Park and help pay for rail and the expansion of light rail from downtown to Orchard Park. How's and, that going? And, 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 <laughs> going yeah, great. It's, it's gone fantastic. Fall plans, Delta variant. <laughs> you know, they'll probably try to submit the same thing this time around. And they'll probably get the same results. Bummer. I mean, what what else is there to say? I don't know. I, I I'm I'm like I'm not over. It. I, I've already accepted that there's just going to be an obscene amount of money that's going to go towards this funding of the stadium. And I would love. I, I don't want to go too much longer on this, just because it's like I want to go all day. It depresses the hell out of me. No, well, we're not doing that. But it depresses the hell out of me. But I just want to say this: like it's. It's almost like a new kind of like, um, like I think of like the tragedy, of the commons, or I think of like all these like, like logic problems or something where you're like, oh, how do people behave in, or the prisoner's dilemma? How do people behave in given circumstances? And it's almost like the stadium funding thing presents like its whole own scenario of how people will behave. And it's like, well, logically, you know, you'd think they would act one way and yet they continue to give all their money to the fucking football stadiums. Yeah, but, I mean, 
I was on Twitter earlier to this morning and I saw somebody post about the bill, the article in the Buffalo news and how like it's just PR for Pagula sports entertainment. And like the first comment was like, yeah, they suck. We shouldn't give them money. And the second comment was like, raise my taxes. I'll give them all the money they want. And the third comment was like, yeah, give them all the money. We can cut social welfare. And the fourth comment was like drug test people on welfare and give the money to the bills what's exactly my point though and so so like i would say like 75 percent of the people were like just give them the money but that's what i mean like that's exactly my point is like you can be a you know uh, oh small government and you know oh well we we want to be responsible with our money and then it's just like Please, Terry Pagula, run me over with a train. Right. <laughs> just please, please smash my innards. Like, destroy me, Terry. Fuck. It's so. Oh, God. He would die. Oh, I can't even put into words how, how you, frustrating it all you is. You fuckers just gave Rhea a headache. I hope you're happy. Well, you, and, my brain Twitter. just exploded. And, and my thing is that, Twitter like, I agree with, like, some of your points last week, Rhea. Is like, I don't, I don't think they're going anywhere. Well, and you notice notice they stopped talking about the Austin thing. That right. ju- that just phew, that that disappeared because they knew a it was ridiculous on its face that <laughs> look the Bills weren't leaving and they certainly weren't going to Austin. So that got floated out there and disappeared like a fart in the wind. Okay, no more of that talk around. It's more about like really it's now a matter of how much should the bills get which you know with kathy hochel's uh in charge it, it's going to be a lot more than you might think is actually appropriate but right. i mean i could understand a 50 50 split i'd be happier if it were 70 percent private and 30 percent public what i expect is the reverse oh boy yeah well Anyway, anyway, that's uh, gotta, it. That's enough for the Bills. Topic, okay. F- F- it's the Bills. It's yeah. the stadium. Uh, one last note here, though, or one last uh, one last top point of topic here, and it's a nice little contrast to what's going on at the Bills Stadium. We have you may or may not know, guys. We actually do have a school superintendent here. Not here. No, I I swear. No, he. Well, he oversees a snake pit. Well, yes. <laughs> are yes. you our teacher? Yes, I am the teacher. And Kreiner Cash is the Buffalo school superintendent. What? He's not really in Buffalo. He's not even in the. He's not even in Kenmore. He's not even in the Snake Pit. Where in the world is Kreiner Cash? Where is he? Where yes, is he, Ryan? Nice Martha's Vineyard. Martha, we love her. This, which is Great not vineyard. New York State, right? Is it? Is it Massachusetts? It, it is Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. One state over. He decided that hey, everybody else is you know dialing in remotely, so why don't I? Right. Yeah. I I assume he's in Martha's Vineyard because he was at Obama's birthday party. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure he was there. Right. That's just to own the libs. He was not yeah, wearing yeah, a mask. Yeah, yeah. David Letterman got the come, but Kreiner Cash was definitely at right. Obama's birthday. Rusty, you've got kids. You're you're more informed on you know the subject of schools than any of us sitting in our little room here. Um, what do you think about having like a school superintendent who's not in the city that uh, that he's supposed to be superintending? 
Yeah, you know, it's a, it seems like the kind of job that, uh, I guess, if he's got a good Zoom connection, you know, you could really manage a, a school system in Buffalo from your million-dollar house on Martha's Vineyard. That seems seems doable, right? Yeah. I Abs- mean, can absolutely. I get that job? Yeah. I, well, you don't have to live in Buffalo I, for oh, it, clearly. I mean, the good thing is, like, is if I, if I remember correctly and I have a bad memory... Buffalo schools doing fantastic, just like doing great, top great, notch. Oh, they're basically an autopilot. Well, what right is now, it? Running. It's right. like a turnkey, right? I mean, that's yeah. just a set it and forget it type of thing. It's gonna right, yeah, like you know, like takes care of itself. Like you know, like South Park High with its like forty percent of twelfth graders graduating, basically perfect. Forty is a big number. Yeah, I, I mean, if I had forty billion dollars, you know what I could do? Get my hair cut. But uh, I would cut all the funding to the schools and give it to the bills because that's how good the schools yes, are doing. Right. Yes. Well, I mean, that seems to be where we're heading, though, right? It is. Where it's we're probably we're... the next proposal. Right. <laughs> the schools are doing so great that the superintendent doesn't even have to live here. We can cut the funding and then we can give it to the bills because the bills need it. Have you seen the stadium? It's a dump. Yeah, you've convinced me. It. Well, no, I, I bet it's it's just this. Okay. I mean, I know. The housing market in Buffalo is hot. It's expensive, so it's probably just cheaper, you know, to live on Martha's Vineyard and um, you know, have to have your base there because it's too expensive to get into Buffalo. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yes. it's if I'm Kreiner Cash, I'm like, well, I thought about buying a house in Riverside, but yeah, I mean, but I, I just couldn't swing that. But so. with housing prices like they are, I had to live on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, the math adds up. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, no, it was. Um, I remember, like, Kreiner Cash, wasn't he, like, geez, everything is just, like, kind of goes in one ear and out the other one. It's not, like, the, the big picture stuff. But I do remember Kreiner Cash, who's kind of a controversial pick at the time, if I remember correctly. You might remember a little bit more, Jim, just because you're a little tuned in, more tuned in on some of this stuff. But I do remember there there was, like, a, a period of time where the Buffalo schools couldn't find, like, a superintendent that... Um, that people were happy with. And then like mm-hmm. Kreiner cash came in. I don't know. I, I, I need to do more research. So I apologize to the listeners for just kind of flailing in the wind here. But I, I guess my point is this guy can't even bother to be in Buffalo to run the Buffalo schools, which I would have thought was a requirement to do that sort of thing. So shame on me once more. Right. Yeah. Fool you once Ray. Oh, here we go. Here we go. But fool you twice. Can't get fooled again. Yeah. <laughs> much like the who Jeez. anyway we're a little loosey-goosey this week but you know that's what happens when we have rusty on he just gives right. off he gives off the vibes and we're just like we're very vibes based here at the and square rusty is like 90 percent ayahuasca yes oh wow yes he really is he takes oh, us like on a spiritual journey when he comes on the show yeah, right. so we love to have him we love to have repeat guests and we love to uh, to yell about the news. So that's what we do here. Um, so, Rusty, thank you for joining us. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to – I know we do our little Nate Watch segment on here. Uh, this is a, a heartfelt um, – you know, Nate, this is a heartfelt – I don't know how to phrase it otherwise, but it's not like a, oh, we're doing a joke here or a bit. Uh, Nate McMurray did recently tweet that his brother passed away. Um, or he posted on social media. So heartfelt, you know, hope, hope you and your family are doing okay, Nate, in this trying time. Yeah, it's best wishes to Nate and his family. And condolences. Yeah. yeah uh, condolences. Sincere condolences. Yeah, absolutely. Sincerely. So that's that. Um, but Rusty, thank you again for joining us. And uh, where can we where can we find you, Rusty? Like, what, what do we got to promote? I know we have an article coming out 
potentially even at the time of this recording. Yeah, well, um, so I I did fall uh, fall off the wagon and I rejoined Twitter recently. So I, I joined the first Big time mistake. so I can track oh, yeah. where uh, where Yarmar Yager was going to end up um, when he was you know making his return from the KHL. Um, after that ended, I, I left for a while and I rejoined because um, I wasn't the first person to know that Byron Brown was running as a write-in candidate, and so that kind of pissed me off. So <laughs> I rejoined so I could follow the campaign. Uh, so I'm back up there. My handle is Rust Belt Geo, G-E-O, as as in geography. Um, I, I, I put some stuff up there recently. So uh, we have an interactive data visualization that just came out that shows who is part of the low-wage workforce in Buffalo. And it's not who you think it is, right? So um, it shows how childcare workers in our city are paid, how preschool teachers and kindergarten teachers are paid. So go check that out and get a sense for why we need to raise the wage, even though New York State's already on a path that's different from the federal government. Awesome. Very and oh, as, you were, as you were published in... Uh, this magazine, Rusty. How do you pronounce it? Is it is it Jacobin, Jacobin, Jacobin? So and, it, it, that's the one. It's Jacobin. 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 Like, you know, you, you know, right, yeah. Close your throat and and and, and <laughs> say the entire thing through your nose. <laughs> yes, Rusty was published in Jacobin, and uh, yeah, follow him on the tweets and read all his stuff because it's great. So. Glad to have Rusty back as an internet presence in our lives, and uh, glad to have him back on the square. Um, that's all I've got, guys. Anything that we're missing out on? I don't think so. That's it. All right. Let's get the hell out of here.